Hey, what's up? This is Kat Jones, your host. Today is March 12th, 2020. Tom Hanks apparently has coronavirus. And this is Queer All Year. Hey, y'all. This is Kat, and I am joined, as always, by my bro and sound producer and co-host, Mick G. I don't read the script. Script reads me. <laughs> That's going to be in one of my problematic faves eventually. Yes, a little a uh, teaser for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of Kat's problematic faves. Let's talk about all the things that will make you hate me. Um, hmm. Tom Hanks says coronavirus, Mick G. Man, that's a shame. Yeah, I, I bet he'll be all right though. He's oh, got I'm he's sure. got Hollywood doctors and uh, he's got the cure out there. They're just coming out. The because, band, the like, cure. Yes, and also whatever <laughs> cure is out there for coronavirus, and they're just like going public with it so that people are like, oh, celebrities get it too or whatever, and then they're gonna like cure it and pretend they still have it. Yeah. I should not say that. I love you, Tom Hanks. I wish we I don't weren't freaking out so much about this. Oh yeah, I know. we're worried now that even in Topeka, Kansas, there might be some school closings going on. I am here. terrified of that because that is my livelihood, and I do not have PTO. Right, I work at a hotel, and they uh, obviously would have issues. You know, yeah. that that would be ground zero probably. Didn't I just see that they they aren't going to allow fans at like the NCAA yeah, or whatever the tur- the tournament I, or the Big Twelve tournament? Something or... like I don't know. Well, I guess it would be going into the um, March Madness. There's no fans allowed at something or whatever. Yeah, that's uh, so sad. I mean, those players thrive off of that. The Jazz Thunder game has been postponed because of unforeseen circumstances. We know what that means. What on (laughs) earth? Why do I have this up? Um, Guys, it's going to be all right. Just make sure your grandparents and parents are all right. It'll be fine. Stop selling stocks right come on guys what's wrong what is wrong we're worried about the old people getting sick but by selling our stocks we're making the old people uh poor and unable to not be sick what is i don't understand what here we're going on complete tangent i don't understand what the the this weird thing is where people are afraid that things are gonna get poor so they sell them and that's what makes things poor here's my theory we have all bought mutual funds because we were told that was safer. A mutual fund is a combination of a whole bunch of different stocks. So when you buy um, a like $10 in a mutual fund, you've bought sh- shares of a whole bunch of different companies. And so for like mine, um, this is the S&P 500. Um, those companies are chosen as the top 500 companies in the country. So I am not actually selling or buying stocks I the person who manages the mutual fund is so even though I haven't sold anything during this downturn they have gone in and just sold and resold and completely changed around the stocks so it's not in the control of the people's hands it's really not even less risky than buying single stocks yeah and I'm, I, I mean uh, that's the appeal of them isn't it I mean that's why yeah, this is because it diversifies. Um, yeah, there. I mean, it's. Uh, <laughs> I guess, like traditionally speaking, it's the safest way to go. Uh, I mean, the safest way to go with the highest returns. And so we've been told that that's just the way to go. <laughs> this, at this dude point. in Florida just like took a whole bunch of cocaine, stole a dead guy's <laughs> debit card, 
and then got caught trying to buy $400 worth of Disney gift cards and then tried to eat the card to destroy the evidence. Beautiful segue, Kat. Oh. I guess it's important we move on anyway. (laughs) Dude, cocaine is a hell of a drug. That's what I've heard. Fraud of a person who is deceased is apparently a charge. So don't, um, wow, stolen 13 credit and debit cards. And he only tried to eat one of them. Don't eat debit cards. Don't take cocaine. Um, and just, if you're in Florida, like, hang on, you know? Yeah, Florida man is out there and he's going to get you. I firmly believe that um, the zombie apocalypse has already started in Miami. They're just trying to hide it. <laughs> I mean, that one guy ate All right, that let's other go guy. On to the stories. And the one guy ate the other guy. I'm talking about zombies a lot. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so speaking of like pandemics and epidemics, and this is a terrible segue. Um, so on this date, ACT UP was formed. And ACT UP is, it is the, it's such a long word. The AIDS Coalition to Unleash Power. I always forget what the UP is. Like, I get AIDS Coalition, and then the two, usually you don't include, like, words like two or whatever. Like, if you're doing A-C-T-U-P, like, you know, AIDS Coalition to Unleash Power, generally you don't have the T in the acronym. And I don't know why I'm talking about this, but I just, I I have a degree in English, y'all, and I'm not getting paid to use it, so y'all are hearing about it. Anyway... Um, so, yeah, on March 10th in 1987, um, activist, advocate, playwright, author, producer Larry Kramer um, was giving a speech at the Lesbian and Gay Services Center in New York, I believe. I don't know why I don't remember. My brain is off. Um, and so he was um, giving a speech that mainly centered around um, HIV and AIDS and the um, lack of resources for it and just kind of like the general impotence of everything that was going on at the time like the organizations that existed were focusing mainly on trying to fund research and treatment and that kind of thing which is great but then they also didn't they needed to be addressing it on a political stage rather than just like kind of reactionary almost um and there wasn't really anything doing that there was a lot of um just you know impotent rage there was no way to like get out the frustration and anger that everyone was feeling. Um, And so Larry Kramer in this speech called for um, the formation of a uh, political focused um, organization to um, try to get the government and uh, pharmaceutical companies and all that to be more proactive and like um, make laws, make more drugs available you know you know even experimental things because it was a plague and it's still you know it's not a plague in the terms of like it's not hidden and not being done in anything about it's still not good but it is not like it was in the 80s thank goodness um and so uh this was march 10th when he called for that and everyone was like yes and then so on march 12th Um, About 300 people came together to form the AIDS Coalition to Unleash Power. And now that is um, one of the best known and most influential groups in AIDS awareness and like victim advocacy. They don't really exist anymore, kind of, officially. Um, There are a bunch of little splinter cells in other cities, but there was no um, 
internal structure because it was it was designed to not have you know like a board of directors and like this internal hierarchy it was designed to be a group of people coming together with the common goal of like stop killing us um and so like but that lack of hierarchy and lack of um not i don't want to say ruler what am i thinking anyway the lack of you know having someone to tell everyone you know like this is what we need to be doing rather than splintering off into different groups that are focused on different things it ended up splintering off into different groups to focus on different things but while it existed as a group as like a cohesive group um they worked they protested um on wall street and broadway and those kind of things um i'm not sure what broadway necessarily had to do with the pharmaceutical companies um but they protested Wall Street and Broadway and a couple other places to um, get the pharmaceutical companies to realize they need to be um, price. I'm saying um a lot to price the AZT drug at a reasonable price because as AZT at the time was the only drug on the market that was approved to uh, treat AIDS, kind of just try and keep it at bay um, and. They, uh, it was just, it was like when they made EpiPens, like what, $800 or whatever recently, recently, like two years ago, but how they gouge everyone for everything still. But this was the only drug that could help potentially these communities that were generally, I mean, if, if you look across statistics, it hits impoverished people so much just because of all the systemic issues so like that keep people in poverty to begin with and you know no one wants to listen to it or see it especially politicians and pharmaceutical companies because like they're like oh well we can't get you know a billion dollars from them and it's like okay but then you, you don't have to kill them because of it you know so act up was really famous for staging die-ins um and if you haven't heard of those it's you know, you go have a protest and whatever, and then all of a sudden everyone just drops down to the ground like they're dead. And, you know, some people will still be holding up their signs, but you're like, there's hundreds of activists lying, just littering the ground, you know, like they're dead because you're killing us, you know? And it was, it was, AIDS was like, it is horrible. It was horrible. No one was talking about it. No one in the government cared. No one in the medical field cared really i mean they did there were people but i'm talking about like uh the people working specifically for the drug companies and stuff but i sound like i'm anti-pharma or whatever go get your vaccines but you know especially for marginalized communities having one drug to help and then pricing that at something that even like middle class people couldn't afford like it's it was ridiculous and act up did a lot to um push people's hands in the government and that kind of thing um but they uh like i said they kind of like didn't fall apart but they're not this big influential group in one place anymore um and act up really is too big of a topic to cover here in um any sort of meaningful way i feel like so i'm going to have to do a separate episode on that 
pretty like eventually and i say this about every topic i talk about you guys are no tally for me you all are going to get uh, just a, all of a sudden just drop like 60 episodes on you in one day that'll be fun i'm not gonna do that um so yeah act up is a huge topic um ask me things on social media if you need more information right now other than that know that i am currently writing an episode someday that will come out hopefully sooner than like anita bryant or something like that because this is more important than like making fun of christians i guess um anyway so here is a little segment with mcgee 12 minutes in Woo! Hi, folks. Welcome back for part two of Stevie Ray Vaughan's Guitars and Great Guitarists and Great Guitars. Last time we went through four of Stevie's favorites, known as number one, yellow, red, and Hamilton. Um, as I said yesterday, this list is in chronological order, not based on which were his favorites. So today, we're going to start with a 1961 Fender Stratocaster named Scotch. The guitar was originally going to be a giveaway at a concert, but Stevie loved it so much that he bought it and gave away a different guitar to some lucky fan. Um, Charlie is a little bit difficult to describe. Stevie calls it a Stratocaster-style guitar, but uh, uh, built by Charlie Wirtz hence the name. Um, however, this white custom model guitar had a fixed bridge, which means it doesn't have the signature whammy bar of a Stratocaster. Uh, the fixed bridge would be much more stable and would stay in tune longer. I assume that's probably why he got that on there. That would be the, that's the main thing that people have problems with, with strats, is that if you use the whammy bar, it gets out of tune. That's always been an issue. They've gotten a lot better recently with locking tuners, but um, it's still a big issue for Strat users, Stratocaster users. Um, he often played Charlie on the song Life Without You, which was presumably written for Charlie Words. Everything out there says it was, but Stevie didn't uh, specifically say that it was. And for our last one, uh, one of, if not the most legendary of his guitars was Lenny. It's a uh, beautiful 1963 three-tone sunburst Stratocaster, and Lenny was a gift from Stevie's wife, Lenora. And if you've heard the beautiful song Lenny, then you understand how much he uh, loved this guitar. It's, it's such a beautiful song. It was written for his wife, Lenora. Um, definitely check it out. Uh, that's a great, it's a instrumental, so it's all just Lenny. Check it out. Um, this guitar is so famous that even a replica will uh, retail for $17,000. A normal Gibson is 3000 at most, and that's considered, it's, I'm just, that's crazy. Um, after Vaughn's death, the real Lenny was eventually sold at auction, and that sold... For $623,500. And at the time, that was the most a guitar had ever gone for at auction. It's ridiculous. Um, 
As for, uh, I guess I should mention uh, acoustic guitars. Uh, he had one in particular that he used. It was a Guild JF612. It didn't have a name that uh, I know of or that I could find out, but it does appear on MTV's Unplugged as well as a couple other things. Stevie Ray Vaughan was an inspiration to me even though I never got to see him. And though he was taken too soon, we will always remember his screaming guitar licks and sensual nuanced playing. I'm McGee, and this is a little segment. Cool. Back to me. So we're going to talk now about uh, another thing related to Operation Soap, which I've talked about in several episodes. That was the um, cleanup operation in Toronto where there were like three nights of police raids on all of the, um, what are they called, bathhouses in Toronto. I don't know why I can't remember words today. Bathhouses is the one I say like every day. Woohoo! Can't remember things today. Uh, so in response to Operation Soap, um, Pastor Brent Hawks staged a 25-day hunger strike. He was attempting to get someone in the city government, um, I guess supposedly, the, or supposedly, most likely, the city council, to investigate the relations between law enforcement and the LGBT community, specifically at this time, like the gay community, because that's what gay bathhouses is what, you know. Anyway, so this was... A response, obviously, to this Operation Soap. And, you know, people wanted to annoy or ignore it. And he was like, no, you, you can ignore it, but I'm also going to be really annoying and people are going to be mad that I'm on a hunger strike. I'm always surprised that hunger strikes work. Um, but they do, because in this, um, in this situation anyway, he was staging his 25-day hunger strike. And on this day... The council was like, okay, okay, fine, we'll do it. And I think it probably helped that he's a pastor. So it, it probably helped that he's got the LGBT community and the Christian community together. And so that's causing all sorts of, you know, like rage. I'm sure like there was, from what I saw in my research, it was like rage from a lot of the... um anti-LGBT Christian side of everything. And then, you know, like, approval, like, you know, kind of cautious approval from the LGBT community, kind of like, you know, we, I feel like we are still generally a little cautious when we're like, oh, okay, you're, you know, you're a pastor and you're here and you're for the LGBT community because we've been burned in the past, but there are, like, our pastor when I was growing up and our assist assistant pastor, I mean, just amazing people. You know, there's a ton of amazing Christians out there who are totally on our side. And then, but the few times we get burned, we get burned hard and then we don't trust anybody. So the fact that, you know, we were able to trust this guy, Brent Hawks, pastor Brent Hawks, is um, really, I mean, we, we militarize around people who, help us and we think they're not going to so that definitely kind of forced their hand you know they were like oh fine so the city council asked the community and race relations advisor daniel hill to perform the investigation but he was like no i don't want to 
And I'm sure that wasn't his actual response because he seems like he tried to do a lot of good things. I don't know. I could not find why he declined this. I just found everywhere that he did. He didn't, and his Wikipedia page didn't say anything about it at all. So that wasn't helpful. The case did end up, well, not case, the investigation, you know, inquiry, did end up getting picked up in July by someone else. Uh, I'm not sure, like I said, why Daniel Hill declined to do it or why that person picked it up later. It seems, though, like the council asked the community and race relations advisor to do an inquiry. And I feel like if you're going to agree to the demands of a political protest, you should probably have the power to actually enforce that agreement rather than having to ask someone. I feel like you should be able to assign someone. And if you can't, maybe you should be pushing it to someone who can, because otherwise it's like, why are we here? It's just, I don't know, good PR for them, I suppose. Um, so, uh, somewhat not off topic necessarily, but, uh, if I don't say it, then someone's going to bring it up and I don't want to look like I'm trying to hide everything and goodness and stuff. Uh, but it's also possibly not relevant. Anyway, in 2016, Pastor Brent Hawkins was accused of um, sexual abuse of a minor when he was working as a teacher in Nova Scotia from August 1974 through December 1975. Now, he was acquitted of those charges because um, it was the testimony was really contradictory, which I kind of would expect it to be, you know, all these years later. Uh, but he was also charged under a historically very homophobic law that pretty much existed simply so that the uh, gays could get the death penalty. And so uh, that was politically not good and everyone really focused on that. It turned the charges from like, oh, wow, he's, you know, abusing this child to, oh, wow, he's gay and he's being gay with this kid. So it really turned away from the victim, potential alleged victim, I'm talking generally right now, the victim in the law. It would it took it away from focusing on like child abuse and all that kind of thing. It took it then it took it to like focusing on, you know, morality and, you know, how dare he be gay with a kid, that kind of thing. And so it was um you know the charges were politically, you know, railed against by the community. And then the testimony years later was just so contradictory from various people that the judge actually did say that there was a probability that something sexual occurred, but the testimony was just too contradictory to be able to make a ruling to convict. And I find that interesting that a probability but, you know, so I feel like, why would you even say that? Because at that point, that's your opinion. You're like, oh, something probably happened. But the testimony doesn't say so. And it's like, well, legally, then it, like, le legally, it didn't, kind of, if you can't, you know, um, get a conviction on it. Like, if it's not enough, then uh, don't we have to say it didn't? I don't know. I'm being all convoluted and whatever. I'm not trying to make some sort of political statement where I'm like, 
all these people being charged with sexual offenses, whatever, it's BS, there's no proof. I'm not that person. I'm adamantly the other kind of person. So anyway, that is uh, my little, I have to say this because otherwise someone will bring it up, spiel. And so that is Brent Hawk's protest of Operation Soap and the Toronto government's absolute inability to do anything that makes people do things they want them to do. So, what's up, McGee? Well, we got uh, to do our housekeeping for today. You know, everybody's got to get it in at the end there. Why do all podcasts call it housekeeping? I don't know. Who but started we're that? Carrying the torch, apparently. Um, so, uh, we, we can start out with Instagram and uh, Twitter. We are Queer All Year Pod. I like how Behind the Bastard says Twinstagram. Twinstagram. So that's like free advertising for them, but yeah, also and they Twinstagram. have a cool little term there for it. I don't think we can steal it. I bet that's theirs. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Even, maybe we'll uh, get an interview someday when we're. Uh, <laughs> I just want to be lucky. on that show. I want to be told horrible things that I don't know about, and then have my reaction recorded forever. That's Cat's goal out of this podcast. <laughs> I'm going to be angry. I guess I want it to be while someone laughs at me. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, listen okay. to Behind the yeah. Bastards. I guess. <laughs> yeah. On Facebook, we are Queer All Year, or you can join the Queer All Year Mafia. Mafia. You can be a thugster like us. We will engage in extortion and all sorts of uh, mafia-type things. Thug is technically a word we're not supposed to use anymore. Did I say that? Thugster. That's fine. I didn't say thugster. Didn't you? Uh, well, I'm pretty sure you did. <laughs> Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. Um, so that's uh, where you can critique us or you can chat about stuff. Um, you can also critique us out on the places where you are supposed to critique us, like uh, iTunes and Stitcher. Yep, we're on Stitcher and Spotify. All those places where you can give us a rating and review, that would really help us. It gets us more noticed. Um, it gets us you know, out there so that more people can be a part of our history. Indeed. And going to the podcast app on a uh, Apple device is the most effective way. Um, if you don't have that, though, we're fine. We'll take a rating anywhere. Um, I hear that Spotify, actually, if, if people like you a lot on Spotify, sometimes they send you stuff. I'm like, why? Okay. Um, okay. Well, Android users, please use Spotify. Um or everyone. I got Or whatever you want to use. I don't want to give a um just We're not preferential. Yeah. Okay. We're brand loyal to Apple, but we're not picky. Indeed. If Stubborn. you uh also though, if you want bonus material or um really all kinds of bonus material, it's, we have bloopers, we have some videos of behind the scenes, we have um bonus episodes. But um, it all it varies from the one dollar tier and the five dollar tier. Where is this, McGee? On I'm getting there. I'm okay. getting there. Patreon.com/slash/queer/all-year. That's right. Yeah. Um. So you can be a patron there. Patreoner. Patreon. Yeah. We'll figure out a word. Be, be our patron. You can pretend to be like a king. Be like, I am a patron of this establishment. Mm, aristocracy. Ah, ah, ah. And uh, you know if. For people on there, we will give them shout-outs, and if you join the higher tiers, there'll be even more. We will um, visit you and, like, bow at your feet and um, make you actual queen for a day. Yes. And we also want to uh, thank a patron of ours who has been very generous 
we uh, have been humbled greatly by this incredible um, show of support and belief yes, in us. Yes, very generous. This is exactly, I mean, you know, we didn't start out wanting to do this for, you know, get funding or whatever, but like we wanted, this is exactly what we were hoping is that people would feel like this is an important project for the world. And even though we wanted to uh, shout our um, wonderful supporters name from the mountaintop uh, they've elected to be a um, anonymous donor so that's a uh, very nice of them but uh, it's, it's very true kind, it's yes. yes and they are very interested in seeing this project grow they realize the importance of it the um, need for this kind of information to be out there and uh, we couldn't have think of a better person to be involved with and we are just so grateful. We want to thank this person so much. We really hope that we can continue to bring great content and get better and better because you all, everyone, are very important to the world and to us and to history and the future. So I hope you will continue to help us grow by listening and loving and knowing that we love you. 